Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome back to I Am The Law podcast. This is Daniel Gershberg and I am, um, I've am i been blessed by the presence of David Schnurman um, who randomly, uh, we were supposed to do this podcast and have a schedule at the time and in very much David Schnurman fashion, he decided to say, hey, I'm coming by in 15 minutes. So this is going to be completely off the cuff. Um, David is a longtime friend of mine and I would actually consider him uh, a mentor as well in some respects. Um, I get to bounce crazy ideas off of him and he actually still buys me coffee afterwards and doesn't hit me, So, which is an awesome thing. I'm waiting for you to, to pay. So Yeah, well, that, that'll happen soon. Yeah. That'll happen. Um, probably not. <laughs> and so I will, uh, I'll let David introduce himself and, and who he is, but I, let me just give you a short synopsis of, of what this, this man sort of did. We went to law school together in New York Law and we both graduated and I decided why not uh, be a lawyer um, after law school and he was like you know what that's kind of stupid so he uh, essentially took lawline.com um, from not much and scaled it into an amazing uh, CLE company which is at the forefront and uh, I'm not bullshitting you when I say this at the forefront of, of where CLE is now for attorneys um, it's massive it's in a ton of markets um, and I want to discuss legal education, the future of law, the stuff that I've been talking about before, but maybe from a different twist, uh, maybe from an outsider's perspective on this, um, to see where he thinks legal education is going and, and how does that sort of affect lawyers. So with my sort of short synopsis of who you are, I'll let you sort of take over and, and tell the crowd who the hell is sitting sitting across from me. The crowd? Yeah, the crowd. Wow. Yeah, how the many 11, people are we 11 talking people, about? The 11 people, 10 10 Our plus family, my, mom. my family, yeah. your family. Well, so then four people. And then we're going to listen to it a couple more times. The fake Twitter accounts. Yeah, we'll, okay. we'll listen to Fantastic. it. We'll get a lot of views on this thing, man. Fantastic. I'm going to monetize the crap out of this. Um, so, by the way, uh, you were prepping for this for two weeks. That. So I'm not sure why you're making excuses. <laughs> do you do this before each of your interviews? He has a list of 30 questions in front of him. Wow, I've never seen such a thing. I had to rehearse in the mirror a couple of times. It was bad. Does this work with your clients? This is this is totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. They fall for this each and every time. It's okay. awesome. So, um, where are we? <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. I'm so, not sure. Legal Far education, who am I? Yeah, who the hell are you? So, so Nobody cares. Everybody cares. Okay. Everybody cares. How, so, how'd you start Lawline? How'd you, you know, how, how did this happen? What was the genesis? So, I've told this story countless of times. Tell it again. Um, absolutely. I'm happy yeah. to tell it to your crowd. And... <laughs> And each time I do it, um, I say sort of, you want the 30-second version. Yes. So the 30-second version of how we got started is um, I worked for about five years in online advertising, and then I became a real estate broker, and then I went to law school. While I was in law school, uh, I always had that entrepreneur book that I, you know, I, I say from Michael, uh, Tom Cruise and Cocktail. I don't, those in our generation have seen the movie. He always had an entrepreneur book by the bar. Yeah. Uh, trying to start a business. I started a online TV show uh, for entrepreneurs, and I also put it on uh, public access called True NYC. I felt like I was reading all these books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, that got me fired up but didn't tell me how to start a business. So I said, why don't I learn from the people on the front lines, the entrepreneurs who start a business so I can get some advice. I was one of the first to do this. If I stuck with that, I could have been a contender. Uh, now I'm a legal educator. Um, so one of the companies that I interviewed, Fresh Tilled Soil, um, I got along with, 
and they actually liked me so much they rebuilt True NYC for free. I took the, the $20 bus to Boston where they were and I met with them. And at that point I realized there's an opportunity here to hire them to rebuild the Law Line site. What was it before? Sure. Was it anything? Yeah. So Law Line had a, actually was a TV show for 25 years on public access that my dad had. And that's why when I started a show on public access, I wasn't necessarily intimidated because my dad had it for a long time and I think it's just in our blood. Uh, we like to talk. Um, so in 1999, when CLE became mandatory, he, um, he and his partner decided to uh, invest money into building an online education, continuing education site for attorneys. This was right before the dot-com crash. Uh, they wanted to go public, make millions of dollars, and retire. Obviously. A month later, there was no money left. They were personal injury attorneys. It just was more than they could handle, more than they wanted to focus on. They just went back to practicing law. My dad, being a smart uh, man, never throws anything away. So essentially for six years, he just kept the website up with 10 courses on it. He just renewed those courses every year. It did about 12000 a year. So it's pretty, not, not a business. It's not, yeah, but it's not fact, bad for no, yeah. no, but it, 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 you know, it's not a business, but it was there. Um, when I was in law school, I realized the opportunity. And when I realized, you know, actually that there's a million attorneys out there and it's mandatory now, if, you know, at that time, 35 states, if I could put all of my energies into that and take the, the name and sort of rebuild the site and say I've been around since 1999, I may be able to do 30,000 a year. Now, you know, so I may be able to do more. Um, and so that's when I hired the company for $5,000 um, uh, to build the site before I took the bar and it was ready to go. And it was just me by myself and I had two interns. So that's how we started. Okay. Do you, do you, when you started that, did you imagine that you would be where you are now? And I mean that not as you know one of those cliche, cheesy questions about it, but realistically, like when you started, did you have a goal of growing this thing and did you know you were gonna grow it? Were you scared? Because when I started my farm, I was scared out of my mind. I had no idea what in the world I was doing. And I was two seconds away from, from essentially being broke. Um, were, were you in the sort of the same place? Where you, last you week thinking, you're talking about? Th- this, okay. is, this is last week. <laughs> okay. I'm, st- I'm there now, man. Okay. I'm there now. Fair Working enough. part-time, cocktail's my life at this point. I'm at the bar. <laughs> so, so um, for better or for worse, I actually wrote a business plan. And the reason I had to write a business plan, um, I had to convince um, my dad and his partner to sort of give up their ownership of, there was nothing to really own, but give up sort of the equity they put into it and allow me to build it up and, and start a new company. Um, and I had to convince them and convince that there's upside for them uh, to do that. So I wrote a business plan. And actually, probably one, probably to this day, I look back at it and it, it was a two-year plan to turn $10,000 a year to a million dollars a year. And we, we hit it in just under three years. Uh, so I figured at that point I could do anything I wanted. And obviously it's not that easy, but so we, and then we kept going. I remember the first month where we had 10,000 in one month, I took my wife out, to, and it was just me and one other person, I took my wife out to um, uh, Gramercy, Gramercy Tavern, yeah. the most expensive, uh, one of the most expensive restaurants in Manhattan. And I, and, I, and, I, yeah. <laughs> and I said, this is it, we've made it. It's not gonna get any better than this. And that's how ecstatic I felt back then. And certainly we've been lucky to hire some great people, uh, build up a lot of uh, great content, and uh, have uh, just celebrating actually 100,000 uh, attorneys who've used our site since uh, since 2007. That's amazing. Yeah. 
when so if you remember well let me give you guys some background when when David first started this and I, I graduated um, from law school and went into practice um, we had a mutual friend that introduced us essentially and said you know David essentially or, or someone said for for God knows what reason why don't you record a couple of courses on on bankruptcy? He's going to be renamed nameless. Right, he's going to remain nameless. Okay, okay. I have Just no idea sure. whether or not I'm allowed to to sure. much as use his name and something like this. I, I don't know if he's going to. Think start. you have the copyright? I, I do, but I he's a kind of guy that would actually go after me for that. Yeah, so look, oh, yeah, I'll, he, I'll settle for a hundred dollars. He, he's a sick no, person. Yeah, he is. You're he's right. a sick Absolutely. person. So um, he's cutthroat for he, sure. He's disgusting. Yeah. And uh, so. You know, They'll never even hear it. No, no. It's, it's like an inside joke between me and you. Right. They're going to be like, what, what's going on with this guy? The guy is actually a really nice, nice guy. It's right. basically a hippie. He has no idea what, what money even is. He wears sandals all, all over the place. It's just it's ridiculous. Also went to law school for God knows what reason. So and still to this day, and I tell him this. I was like, this is the worst decision you've ever made in your life. He agrees, but in a hippie way. So, um, you know, they asked me to, to speak on bankruptcy, and I had no idea what the hell I was talking about initially, but... Um, you know, to David's credit, when I came in, um, the office was essentially nothing. It was this really small office space with, I think, like a blue carpet that they were using as like a backdrop. I remember well, that was years later. Is that right? Yeah. So we started in a kitchen. Most started in the kitchen. If you're in Silicon Alley, you start in a garage. Yeah. If you're in Manhattan, you start in the kitchen. A lot of drug dealers start in the kitchen too. <laughs> they, that's where they cook up there. Yeah. That's okay. actually. Then, then we could have done something different. A lot of money there. Yeah. So yeah, we started in the kitchen and we uh, we shared a conference room uh, with attorneys. And so we yeah we got like a, a black drop that right. we, it, it, it looked like a carpet. It was a, Actually, right, yeah. whatever. It was some, yeah, whatever. Black drop. Whatever. So I did the course and and I was literally thinking I was like first of all this guy's insane for even letting me speak. Uh, that's number one. And number two, he would always and he and meaning you, you'd always talk about culture. So I read the same Kiyosaki books and everything else. But you took it a step beyond that and you would talk about the culture of a firm and, and that came even later down the line but you would also talk about surrounding yourself with with certain people and and uh, in terms of talking about your your tv sort of gig that you did was it i guess was it meaningful for you to be surrounded by by successful people is proximity to that super important to you i mean because i saw it in in your eye like the way you were you were approaching it i was kind of looking at it as like this is nuts that I even have a law firm, right? This is nuts that people are actually paying me to do work. I look like I'm 11 years old. You had a very different sort of glint in your eye. Is that because you, you tried to surround yourself with different types of people or is that, you know, because I think an analogy can be used for lawyers as well for that. Um, glint in my eye. You did have a glint in your eye. Not like a drunk glint, but like you knew, you, you, you know, putting BS aside, you knew or it looked like you knew that this was going to be something big, right? Whereas a lot of people walk into that situation and they have no idea. They're just happy to be there and they're like, how, you know, how the hell did I even get here? Where yeah. So um, from the earliest start, uh, I never looked at it as continuing legal education for better or for worse. Uh, I was trying to... Um, inspire people to learn and grow. Um, as I got hardened over the years, you know, as I keep trying to do that and I still feel that way, um, you know, one thing that comes, you know, while it's not about continual education, people come because it's a mandatory thing that they have to do. They're happy to get course, you know, many of them are happy to get content that actually is useful and they use in their practice area. Hold um, on, it's mandatory? Continue. Yeah, so, but, you know, um, and I was smiling, by the way. 
Um, so for me, it was always about finding interesting faculty, uh, dynamic faculty, um, and interest in different areas, and and using our technology to showcase their expertise uh, to other attorneys. Uh, what's interesting about what we do, our customers can also be our faculty. So it's sort of this: everybody's an expert in something. Um, we have the philosophy, and we have the philosophy. Um, the best form of learning is teaching. So we share that with our faculty, and they, most of our faculty embody that and are really there teaching because they want to learn themselves and want to share what their expertise is. When, when you first started um, and you saw, because there's a lot of CLE players, and, and, and there was before, and it's kind of a gargantuan task to, to sort of say, you know what, I'm going to, and maybe that's not what you did, you say, I'm going to take these guys on, but did you see an inefficiency in the marketplace or did you see something that was lacking and you said, look, I can do this differently? Or was it just, you know? So I could say this. When I did my competitive analysis in the business plan, I definitely saw uh, opportunity. Um, it starts with the look and feel of the site. You know, even back then in 1999, there were standards. Um, and then, it's, then it went from ease of use. Then it went from price point. Um, and of course, the actual interaction of getting the content and then the content itself. So I, and, and also from the marketing aspect, from being able to package it and get, and get the word out there. So I saw opportunity in all those areas uh, because uh, generally it's either mom and pop shops, uh, bar associations, or mega corporations like Thomson Reuters who don't really take CLE seriously because it's not enough money for them to really focus on. Um, so it, we actually were able to carve out a niche where we were not a mom and pop shop uh, that couldn't really do anything more than just sell. We're not Thomson Reuters, that was is like an uh, aircraft carrier that couldn't really move fast. We were in between where we had the money and the ability as we grew to move fast, uh, change and adapt. And that's, I think, been part of our success and one of our, one of our unique uh, value propositions to, to uh, what we can offer attorneys as well. We can always improve and build upon what we have in our technology pretty quickly. When you, um, and I'll get to sort of how I, I think this this can be an analogy to, to lawyers that are just starting out or starting their own firms or even looking to, to grow their own firms. But when you essentially were approaching your first faculty members and they maybe didn't know who you were what did you say? How'd you get them in? Or was it really simple? You know, and lawyers are essentially attracted to talking, um, and so it was pretty. So in the beginning, uh, I I did two things. Uh, one, I reached out to the fifteen or so faculty members who did courses in nineteen ninety nine. Even about six of them said, "Okay, I'll do a new course." So that made it a, a little bit easier. I used what we had, but the real big asset in the beginning was two partnerships. One with Lorman who was another CLE provider, wasn't really online at the time, and I convinced them to give us about 300 hours of content and put it in our, in our site, and then we would sell it. And then with um, Marino, uh, Joseph Marino, he put uh, a lot of their content on our site. So both of those helped us. In the beginning, we, we went from, within a year we went from 15 hours to like 400 hours because of the partnerships. Then I was able to have some breathing room to just look, make phone calls. It was funny, I joke in the beginning, I. I did a little bit of everything I was doing. I remember going to my in-laws in Miami for for Christmas or New Year's or whatever and feeling so important because I was fielding customer service questions like from like New Year's because December 31st 
25 deadlines. So I was literally like at a New Year's party, like talking to customers. I'm like, I am a power broker. I'm dealing with people right now. Meanwhile, it was like a $14 sale or whatever it was. But I felt important and I liked it. Uh, and so that was kind of cool. Uh, I, I always wanted the job where when I left, I was needed. Uh, and now I think for better or for worse, when I leave, they're like, okay, bye, Dave. And which is a good thing too. Uh, but of course, my challenge today, if we're going to look to today, is how do I grow the company to that next level? And that is um, no doubt a, a challenge uh, because there's many areas we can go in. Uh, CLE uh, over the past six to seven years is a, I'll call it a shrinking market. There's more competitors uh, on the, because it's easier, it's cheaper and cheaper to, to build a content. So you can actually sell it for nothing or, or close to nothing. Do you think that's where it's going? Well, so what do you mean? I define that. Do you think that, so initially there, you know, you had to pay, I don't know, $400 for it. There really was no choice in the marketplace or $300, whatever it is. Companies would, would charge X and there was only so many competitors. And so, you know, you had to pay that amount. Is there a race to the bottom in terms of the pricing or does it stop somewhere? Like how do you, how do you monetize content essentially going forward and information? Because you have some really awesome views on, on this. Yes. I remember us talking about this before a couple of years ago. So I used to say, yes, that's where it's going. And to some degree, it's already here, but not on a large degree because I'm still in business, right? So we were on that race to the bottom. Um, and uh, for better, for worse, in order to, one, once you have overhead and you have 20 plus employees or you know, 30 employees, you have a beautiful office downtown, you have a beautiful studio, you have fixed costs. I never wanted to, to me, I never wanted to charge a certain price based on fixed costs because that doesn't make sense as a business. But there are fixed costs to even being an accredited provider. There's reporting fees, there's accreditation fees, there's, there's a lot of bandwidth just to, uh, to do all that. So there are some fixed costs. Um, so to do it at the level that we're doing at, um, we found the, the right point. And what I realized as we, over the past couple of years, what has made us so successful when you can get your, there's a dozen or so providers or more that you can get your CLE from much cheaper than us, probably more than that, right? Because there's lots of state by state providers. What people like about us is they, people want to get something of value, but they still want to, a deal they want to pay as much as they want to pay as little as they can for it but uh, as value uh, but they want it if they get let's call it a Mercedes you want to get Mercedes if you can get a deal in a Mercedes uh, and it's in your budget you're gonna go for it um, and I'm not saying that law line is akin to a Mercedes but what I am saying is people recognize the value of our product you know right now it's generally so what we charge is $199 for three months access people love that because uh, especially if it's for deadline time, they if they only want it for a week, they don't need it for the year. They use that, and that has really uh, been a that number, that price point has really f uh, worked well, and we we grow at that price point. When we sell things for you know four or five hundred dollars, uh, they sell a lot too, but it only hits to a certain market. So we wanted to hit a market who only needed it for a certain time of year. But many of our customers want it for the full year access because they don't just do it that one time. And you can get that for you know a couple hundred dollars, uh, a few hundred dollars. So what we realize is people want the best product for the best price that fits in their budget. And, and I'm not saying that's what makes us different because that's just a price point. 
That is certainly what allows us to grow. Going sort of going forward, because I want to touch upon this. I know I don't have too much time with you. Um, going forward, do it's you not about me. It's about the people listening. If we, if anyone has gotten this far, my mother will sit there and listen for hours. Yeah. She doesn't. I mean, she doesn't care. She doesn't even. She doesn't speak English. So this is just noise. Fair enough. Um, you know, going forward in terms of legal education. I guess my question is, do, is there a difference between the content that was being produced six, seven years ago for attorneys and the content that's produced now? And is the content going to change going forward or maybe the delivery of the content itself? Right. So so do lawyers when I started speaking right for you, I made sure my CLEs were practical and pragmatic because I when I graduated and, and passed the bar and Jersey was the first state I was admitted and I went to a CLE for. I think I had to go once a weekend for, I don't know, five weekends somewhere by Rutgers. And the speakers were awful, like awful. And they spoke for hours and no one got anything of value from that, right? And the whole point of CLEs to a certain extent is to keep you abreast of what's going on and, and allow you to learn techniques. Um, because you can either learn by throwing someone in the fire, which I learned that way as well, but this is also a different way to do it. So when I was doing lectures for you, I would try and say, all right, if I'm a client, if I'm someone that's going through the process, I want to learn how to do this step by step. Did you see that? It, it, again, going back to the question, is the delivery system different or maybe is the content different? Has it been different since you started Lawline? So is our delivery system different or? I guess let's let's start with yours. I think I, I want to focus on yours um, because of the, the content that you guys have. So is that something that you focus on? Is it, you know? Yeah. So... When people ask me why, what makes you different than other CLE providers, right? Like what makes you better? What makes you unique? Um, you know, generally there's three things that people go to, and not just me in general, either our price is lower, um, our service is better, or our quality of content is higher. So price is pretty clear. It's either lower or not. Service and quality are generally subjective, um, and nobody believes you anyway. You know, you, we have the bet. So you, everyone says it, and no one's going to take the time to really focus on that. So uh, when people ask me that, what I say that makes us different is we're a learning-based company. Uh, we create all of our content. Our entire culture is surrounded by a learning-based uh, values, uh, and we build everything in-house with the thought of making it as easily digestible and interesting as possible. Uh, we've built a studio downtown Manhattan. And we work. We have some of the best faculty across the country, but we have a lot of fun the way we do it. Uh, we happen to have a, one of the best technologies out there, the easy to use site. Um, but ultimately, you know, we believe teaching is the best form of learning, and that that's what drives us as a company. So um, everything else, you know, technology is essentially uh, is it people. If technology becomes a focus, that means that something's wrong with it. it is, at this point in the time, it shouldn't even be a part of the conversation. It should be a given. Is that a fair statement? It's a fair statement. If you're thinking about technology, there's a problem. Yeah, don't go, we have some site, you know, Internet Explorer issues, buffering issues. It's just when you have so many attorneys, that's what happens. And, and then quality, of course, that's not a given, um, but it is an overused term because while I say our quality is good, by no means am I happy because we've, we've moved more away from talking heads to conversations, but ultimately it's still 60 minutes of people talking, sort of like this, 
And I always feel like there's a better way. It's just hard with the accreditation rules and the way things are set up to do that. Why? Can you just touch upon that? Because that's super important to me. And, and I agree with you on this. Why has it gone from talking heads, right, that it just mouth off about whatever subject that they've been known to, to practice in for years and years, to a conversation? Why do people react better to something like this or take something from something like this versus someone standing there and, and talking? Well, two things that I've noticed with myself. Um, when I listen to things, I generally listen to it in one and a half times speed or one and a quarter. We speak slower than people can hear. So if it's just boring, right? That's why podcasts actually do work. Uh, and we do have that. You can download MP3s. You can download your phone. When you're commuting and you're on the go, it's easy to listen and not be stuck at your computer. Um, so especially – and then when you're talking straight to a camera and there's not really an audience interaction uh, – Sort of, and someone standing up in that lectern sort of reminds you of law school, or sort of reminds you of high school, or whatever. It's, it's like someone's teaching. Yeah. When it's a conversation, it's some it's more casual. Of course, the challenge with the conversation is it can get off topic really fast and not be as rigid in terms of form, formulating things. But that's why we have PowerPoint slides that they follow. We uh, we're actually we just spent all this money in the studio. We're having this huge anchor decks come in to really fit that whole profile. Um, but yeah, it's an ongoing process. You know, we do accounting, CPE as well. The major way accountants get their education is through written written material. They actually don't even watch videos. They they read a two hundred page booklet and take a test, and that's it. Um, so people learn differently. Um, so yeah, so that's that's where we're at. Um, and again, like I said, where I look to as the CEO of the company, and where in, in the past seven years is, I'm trying to look to tomorrow and not to today from a growth strategy, from uh, uh, you know what will best serve our customers. And so it gets us thinking, is there anything uh, deeper that we can provide for our attorneys or is there any way we can do what we do better? And of course, from a growth strategy, how do we get more, while well, we've had 100,000 attorneys over the past seven years take courses, if you actually look at our market share in each state, it's so low. There's such opportunity to grow in each state and how do we take advantage of that? There's um, there's sort of a, a distinction, or actually I want to say a similarity between law and this. And what I mean by that is, so I, I realized at a certain point, painfully so, that I can't be everyone to, I can't be everything to everyone, right? So an older client may think I'm too young, or I, I think that now, um, that's actually not the case, years ago maybe. Um, or a younger client may want, you know, the ability to access my site on a mobile-based platform, right, an iPhone. And you can't be all things to everyone. Uh, and you lose business as a result, but that's that's okay. That's the lesson. Do you, do you have that same mentality? And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, an older attorney that's in their 60s or 70s, let's say, doesn't really care about these things, whereas a younger attorney wants the ability to, to listen to something at one and a half speed, or an older attorney wants to be able to read CLE materials, and a younger attorney wants to see a PDF of, of the materials. Is that something that, that comes into into your mind when you do these things, or is that just sort of an afterthought? It, uh, honestly, it's an afterthought. Um, I just think of creating a great product. That's what drives me, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, I really... And again, for better or for worse, in the beginning I looked at the competition to, to see what was out there. Again, probably for worse, I don't really pay attention to what anyone else is doing. Uh, and again, I should, uh, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that not. happens in many businesses, maybe not. Um, but I, I certainly um, I certainly want, you know, if I want to leave a legacy with Lawline, 
Um, and I think we've done it to some extent, but we really haven't. If you look at our outward communication and our, our, our marketing messages, I want to be thought, when you think of Lawline, I want it to not be the first thought CLE provider. I want to think of it as a, a, a resource for attorneys throughout their 40 year career. We are here to help them in all their, their learning needs and their the stress, the excitement, the fear. Uh, I want to be there as a support system for, for an attorney because God knows we need it. Uh, people need it. So for, it starts with a, peop, a person. Um, I'm also a, I'm a member of Entrepreneurs Organization and I'm on the mentorship chair and I, I really believe in mentorship and coaching. And uh, I'm sure I, I know our lawyers need help. Uh, and I want to help lawyer. I want to help people, and I, I, I think focusing on lawyers to start uh, is a good area. Um, and I want to do it through learning. Um, so that's if I can leave a legacy from Lawline is to be a resource for attorneys across the country, not just for their ceiling needs on an ongoing basis. To switch to, to, to transition to that has been our challenge. Where do you, and how do you how do you deal with that challenge? Right? No. Um, <laughs> it's not bad. Um, so I focus on what I can control right now. And right now I can control bringing in really great faculty, growing our market share. Um, and secondly, I talk to attorneys and I listen to attorneys. Let me just say, I don't do that enough. That is something that needs to happen because you can't do this in a bubble. Um, but most importantly, and I think what has made us successful based on what I said before, is we are a company that we try, we try, we try, we try, we try, we fail, we fail, we fail, we succeed, fail, succeed. I try and try things all the time and I fail all the time. And I'm okay with that. Uh, sometimes it's a little chaotic and it's not for everybody, but that's what keeps me going. If I just do the same thing over and over, like. Repeat, and sometimes you feel that way because when you're successful, you built a process and that works. But we keep trying different things uh, on on some levels. You know, we branched out to further ed and we renamed it there, and um, and we're doing accounting, so we tried that area, and that's that's going, um, and, and it's been successful. Um, and we tried different areas. We tried a technology arm. We've tried. Uh, teach on. We tried true stuff. I tried different things both within the company and without. Um, and I'll leave on this because um, just because I know you we want to keep this at 30 minutes for your mom. Um, she has to cook. I do a lot of stuff on entrepreneurship and I believe entrepreneurship is not just about starting a company. You can be an entrepreneur within a company. Uh, I think we all should have that there's two parts to our personality that's important. It's the idea monkey where you got all the ideas and then there's the process, the person who sort of filters the ideas. And I have both of those. If you, you know, if you, if you go years without the ideas coming in, you start to feel sort of like you're, at least I feel, I don't know how other people are, I feel like I'm lacking. So it's sort of uh, balancing the two and recognizing, most importantly, um, make a decision. Doesn't matter what the decision is. And the way to help you through that is just know the decision you make today in 50 years won't mean anything. You know, unless it's a nuclear weapon launch and things like that, and you're the president. But most likely for all of us in listening, the decisions you make today in 50 years will not matter. In 100 years, certainly they won't. So have a big deal. Uh, Last question for you. Why am I not the face of Lawline? 
In other words, why am I not on the brochures, the marketing materials? Why am I not? You well, know, Sean Carter had that for a while. Sure, he did. Yeah. He did. So he was the face. Um, and then we had some sort of stock photo. Oh no, we had one of our faculty who was a face. Yes. Yep. And, and um, ever me. Um, so we can certainly talk about that. We can. Um, I think we I, should. It's actually not a bad idea. I think it's a wonderful idea. Yeah. I think sales would, would likely precipitously fall. Um, Dave Snurman, thank you so much for taking well, the thank time. You. Uh, Beautiful view, here. by the way. It's, uh, uh, it's an awesome view. We're, we're, sitting, uh, we're sitting in the closet. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time.